Hey everybody, welcome to the Parkinson's Association of San Diego Microcasts. I'm your host, Jeff Seckendorf. And here today we have nurse practitioner Kathy Wynn, who's going to talk about driving and driving with Parkinson's. So this is something that affects every single person who has Parkinson's and plans to continue driving. So without any further ado, here's Kathy. One of the biggest concerns that people with Parkinson's when they get the first they first get their diagnosis that they ask me is, am I going to get my license taken away? And just because you have Parkinson's does not mean you're going to get your license taken away. There are certain situations where your ability to drive will need to be a reassess, but that's not an automatic, especially in the earlier years. When cognitive problems start to happen, though, we do have to reevaluate the person's ability to drive. But there really isn't a black and white answer for that because your cognitive changes happen on a spectrum. So it's not that you're normal one day and then the next day you have dementia. It happens gradually and it happens slowly over time, over many years. So that's why it's different for everybody. One thing that I, uh, we need to recognize about driving is driving is a very complex task, but we all are so comfortable driving that we take it for granted. And I think everybody thinks they can drive well, but we don't recognize that if you really think about it, driving is a very complex task. Not only do you have to be able to have vision of seeing where things are, but cognitively, you have to have a lot of different um, cognitive skills to drive. That includes visual spatial skills, meaning recognizing where your car is in, in relation to the other cars around you. There is the... Um, the uh, reflexes. So can you brake in time? Can you control your speed to be able to change lanes and whatnot? Um, so when people start to have struggle with driving um, and the idea of, you know, maybe we have to reevaluate driving comes up, people get scared. Um, and I, the difference is I think most people feel they can continue to drive and if you had perfect conditions, wide road, no interruptions, no obstacles, no other cars, I think it would be true. But again, I think people take for granted how complex driving is from a cognitive status. And if there is a concern, um, we do have to submit what's called a, um, a CMR report to the California Public Health. And from there, the DMV will determine your ability to drive. Um, for people who there's arguments in the family regarding your ability to drive, um, there are driving evaluations that you could pay for um, that will help assess your ability. Um, they'll do like a, some of them are virtual um, uh, assessments of stimulations of how you're driving. Um, and then based on that, you know, we'll see how you can drive. Um, there's cognitive testing that sometimes we, we do have to do. We can do a quick screen in the clinic, whether it be a MOCA test or an MMSE, or we can do a more expansive one, uh, neuropsychological testing, which assesses not your ability to drive, but your cognitive status in general to find out the areas of weakness that you may have, which in turn would then affect your driving. Um, the DMV does have uh, different uh types of uh, license restricting uh, restrictive license so that can always be assessed but again the DMV is the one to make this assessment um, so you would have to go through their process to find out if you can drive or not 
Um, I think a lot of people will feel like, well, I just want to go down the street to the store whenever um, there's no one around. But we also have to remember that the majority of accidents happen very close to home. So sometimes we just really have to take the, the, that into consideration because it's not just about your safety, but it's about the safety of everyone else who's on the road too. And we are not a culture that um, does well without driving, unfortunately. If you're lucky enough to live in a city that has great public transportation, it helps. But we are in Southern California where public transportation isn't the best. Uh, we have large freeways. We have lots of traffic. So safety is a huge concern. Um, and what you can do to help somebody who is having trouble or will maybe lose their license is be supportive. Maybe offer to drive them somewhere and, and um, be able to check in on them to see how they're doing. If they need something picked up from the pharmacy, food, offer to help out. Um, and just be supportive to say, you know, nowadays we don't, we're lucky enough to have resources like Lyft and Uber um, to drive. Um, I know it's a little hard during the pandemic, uh, but uh, hopefully when the pandemic is over, um, people will be more receptive to those kind of um, transportation options that weren't available years ago. Um, so you can always get creative um, because a lot of people put their, they claim their driving is their independence and to take it away is, is very, can be very damaging to the person. And I fully recognize that. But again, it all comes down to safety though. And it can be difficult for the person to trade their independence um, for that. So to be supportive of them is very important. All right. Thanks, Kathy. And thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to check back for more episodes of the Parkinson's Association of San Diego microcast. And you can always find us on the web at www.parkinsonsassociation.org. All right. We'll see you all next time.